Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from TheEthicalPanda.com. And I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Real Film Podcast. And today we're talking about Minute 13, which begins with Thor wanting to fight the Frost Giants and ends with Loki showing up to comfort his dear brother. Joining us on the show today is Ashley Coffin of the MCU Podcast and so many other podcasts on the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. Ashley, in all of the MCU, when did Thor have the best and the worst hair? Ooh, uh, <laughs> he had the worst hair in this one, in Thor. And he definitely, okay. oh, it's so hard because uh, he had the best hair, I think, in Thor The Dark World. But I know a lot of people like it short. Um, but I'll say Thor The Dark World. Mm-hmm. So good in Ragnarok too. What a hard question off the gate. <laughs> you know, I these, these are the kind of things we do, and we're gonna have more hard questions like that right after this. We are having such a great time talking about Thor this season on the show. Uh, we're looking forward to future seasons of our show as we continue our long journey through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Another part that we love doing is delivering you content that is free of ads that you don't want to hear. Producing the show does take time and cost money, though. It would be great if you could help us out by becoming a member and supporting the show. Membership is just $5 per month, or you can get a discount if you join at the annual rate. Members get bonus content, early access to shows, access to live streams, stickers, all sorts of stuff. It's it's great what membership can do and you're supporting an independent podcast, which we really appreciate. Just go to truestory.fm slash Marvel Movie Minute, and you can learn more there. All right, so let's jump right into this minute, because we're continuing one of my favorite conversations in the whole movie, which is Thor and Odin arguing. And I think here's where we're really getting to kind of sink our teeth into the the Shakespearean drama that um, Branagh, I know, loved because, you know, he did a lot of the the histories, Henry IV, Henry V. He loved King Lear. And a common theme that comes up in Shakespeare a lot that Branagh would often talk about is this idea of the king who is maybe slowly losing power and the son who is eager to take power from the king. And I think it's so interesting here that We've started out just talking about the Frost Giants and, you know, what happened. But now Thor shifts it and Thor gets personal because he says, they know you are vulnerable. What What's happening there when Thor says that? Well, one, it's interesting that he very specifically says they know you are vulnerable. He's not saying they know we are vulnerable, all of Asgard. There's, he's specific, specifically saying you. And that makes me wonder, well, one, when Thor says it that way, it's much more pointed at Odin. And I think it, it's designed to affect Odin a little more and maybe hopefully from his perspective, turn Odin to make him realize that he he is vulnerable. Also, when you when you think about kind of the the other elements that weren't included in the in the script, it does make me wonder if Thor would have been implying that they know that you're suffering an illness right now and that you need the all sleep and they're using it to their advantage. Um, obviously, that wasn't in the film itself, so we're not calling it canon or anything, but it's interesting that it's written that yeah. way. That does bring a whole different like aspect to the story. It's kind of a shame that they left that out. Yeah, right. And this is where also I want to know more about how they got in. 
Because I wonder if maybe part of the idea is that if Odin, if there is no ice, if Odin just does sense them, should he have sensed them earlier? Because, you know, I like stories where it isn't just clearly right or wrong. And clearly Thor is over the top and Clear's not Thor's not thinking clearly. But I like the idea that maybe Thor has a little bit of a point, that Odin is fading a little bit, that Odin isn't quite up to the top of his game. Because I feel like it gives Thor at least, it makes him a little more justifiable and understandable, even if he is so clearly not not thinking like a king. As, as Odin will say in just a moment, you're thinking like a warrior. Mm-hmm. Well, Thor wasn't wrong when he brings up how, like, look how close they got. They got really close, mm-hmm. and it did take him a long time to sense somehow that they were there. It is interesting to think, like, maybe he's trying to play off of Odin's, like, oh, well, you're going to go into the sleep, and, you know, they're going to get you. Or maybe since they don't know how they got in, they're saying he was kind of implying, like, they got in because of you. There's an interesting element there when it comes to the way that uh, that he's saying that, because it is... I don't know. I, I just find there to be something about this uh, this sense of vulnerability. Yeah, like maybe Odin should have felt the presence of the uh, of the frost giants as soon as they crossed into Asgard. Like, why did it take until this point? So it it does seem like perhaps you're right. Maybe Thor does have a point here. Well, especially because we talked uh, yesterday about how Odin is so wonderfully calm in this moment, and he seems like. You know, like you said, the destroyer did its work. They're dead. There's no big deal. Everything is as it should be. And and Thor is just pushing and pushing into that great moment when, you know, he says, but as king and and Odin snaps. And now he yells and he says, but you're not king. And then immediately pulls back to not yet. Uh, Andy, I know you've talked about this one of your favorite moments. What, what do you get out of Hopkins's delivery in that moment? It's I mean, it's it, like he's he's been pushed to his limits by Thor. And I, I love that moment because Thor is just I mean, he just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing. And, and he wants his dad to say, yes, OK, you're right. This was an act of war. We should go and fight these people, you know, and uh, because, I mean, Odin has basically countered everything that Thor has said with, you know, I, I guess I would say regal wisdom, right? It's yeah. it, yeah. It was just a few. It was a, 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 the act of a few, but doomed to fail. We'll find the breach in our defenses, and it will be sealed. But then, when when Thor dares to say, as king of Asgard, which we we saw the coronation, it didn't it didn't end because you know whether uh, Odin was taunting him or not, he never actually said you're king. Um, but the way that Odin like just hits him with that line. I mean, that is just like a slap across the face. You know, he's taken his glove off (laughs) and he's smacked him. Uh, It's great, you know, that, but you're not king. The way that he just so pointedly delivers that is just fantastic. And that's Anthony Hopkins at like prime acting right there. I just love that moment. Mm -hmm. It's interesting when you're talking about it now, because I wonder if Odin was doing that and trying to stay that calm to kind of show Thor like, when crisis happens, this is how you're supposed to act. Like, he's still trying to show him, like, mm. some we can be level-headed. Yeah. Like, let's just try to get through this. And then you get, you know, eventually you get that, no, <laughs> shut up. And then, oh, I'm right. kid. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's interesting. I, I think so. I think that probably is very much what's happening. Because I think Odin may be being emotional as well. It also does make me really wish that they had clarified what Odin was about to declare. Because it, to me... If Odin's about to say that you are now my heir, and so you'll be king when I die, 
that's one thing. But if Odin was about, if if Thor was literally like two seconds away from officially being declared king, then this line of "you're not king" like it 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 carries yeah. so much more weight, you know, of like you were that close. And I, so I just I just wish that we'd had that. Well, and it makes me wonder though, like, okay, so so the their coronation was interrupted. And they went downstairs to deal with to to see. Did they need to? Could they have continued the coronation once they said what? Kind of pick up the 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 phone from the throne room and call down to the vault, and they find out okay, the destroyer took care of him, great. And then they could have continued mm-hmm. the coronation or whatever, <laughs> you know. But but did they have to stop the entire coronation? Did they just pause it and everybody's upstairs waiting? But because Thor behaves the way he does in this particular moment, is that line, is this the moment where Thor crosses the line and says, as king of Asgard, and then Odin says, but you're not king, is that the moment that he says, you know what, we're calling it off? Hmm. Here's kind of an off-the-wall theory for it, that there's no real like proof of this in the movie. It's just pure headcanon. And again, because I don't know how much of this of Odin is in the comics, but in the mythology, Odin is very much a mischievous character as well. He loves to set traps for people. He loves to trick people. He loves to create situations where people will show their true colors. And so a small part of me, I, I think I'm just going pure headcanon here, but likes the idea that maybe Odin knew what Loki was doing. And well, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of going with this idea that maybe Odin let it happen protect, pre- precisely to test Thor in hmm. this moment. But then you have to have oh, Odin be people. willing to have two of his own guards killed, which doesn't really seem believable. But yeah, I, I do kind of like the idea that Odin is, is, is doing that test, but probably does not make any sense. Well, what were you saying earlier about um, it was in the script that the, the, the throne room where the coronation was happening was starting to be frozen? Yeah, the, in the right, script yeah. it said that like the the flags would start to freeze and stop blowing in the wind, and so so they probably were like everybody exit stage left, get out of here right now. Like if it was yeah, starting right, to right, freeze right. in there, they probably told everybody to get the hell out of there. Oops, sorry. True, true. Yeah. Double H hockey sticks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think we're okay with hell. Yeah, <laughs> just be careful. I, I also do love the the phrase "not yet" the way he delivers yeah. it because to me. I feel like there it's a little bit twisting the, the the needle, but it's also the opposite because he's also saying like, you are still in line. You are still going to become king, just not quite yet, which to me also really helps set up that like, he's not yet saying you're too angry. You're not ready to be king. He's still saying, Thor, you will be king, which obviously is going to change so much, not much longer. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh, so anything else on this particular scene before we move into, uh, Thor versus the pumpkins. <laughs> Loki with his side eye to Jesus this time. Like if we thought he had side eye in the last one, it was double side eye. Oh, it this really time. was. It really was. And just, <laughs> I, I, I kind of want a commentary track where Tom Hiddleston just does Loki's actual commentary track on like what he's thinking throughout these whole scenes. <laughs> I think it'd be so great to get that. And again, very uncharacter- uncharacteristically quiet. Like he's mm-hmm. Loki doesn't say anything in that entire right. scene. You know, he's often associated with snakes. Uh, and I think in the in one of the earlier deleted scenes, he actually summoned snakes as kind of showing the trickery he can do. And to me, it's a very snake-like thing. You know, it's that like poised, ready to strike, coiled up, but really waiting for his moment. And you just sense mm-hmm. that like he's probably the smartest of the three of them by a long measure at this point. It's, he almost smiles when Odin says, uh, tells Thor he's not king. Oh, he's like, yeah. oh. 
you, you could just see the biting of the lip almost, you know, yeah. mentally. He's like, everything's working swimmingly. <laughs> you know, for anyone who knows, like, RPG systems, like, he burned a point of willpower in that moment. You know, he was just holding back to, to do that. Um, and then, so, speaking of the person who's not doing the willpower too much, we get Thor, who just, you know, he goes to what I think is clearly supposed to have been the big banquet table, and he flips it over. And there's a couple great things that happen here, but I wanted to start by pointing out I, the first thing I noticed was that there's so many pumpkins that go rolling there. Like, what, 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 why do you think they chose? <laughs> I, I have a couple of theories, but what do you think they chose to have pumpkins specifically all over that, that banquet table? It was autumn. <laughs> <laughs> autumn in Asgard. <laughs> a beautiful fall spread. Uh-huh. I mean, it, 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 they're big, and to that end, it helps make the tables, it helps fill the tables with something very decorative. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I guess I, I feel like when I see pumpkins, I do think of, of fall but i also think of kind of like that whole the cornucopia you know that big thing with all the the food coming out of it and mm-hmm. stuff oh yeah um and that just always makes me think of you know a wealth of food and so i guess when i see just giant pumpkins sitting on the table it just makes me think there's going to be a wealth of food here at some point yeah I, I i wonder to me there's an interesting thing about fall in terms of what odin is going through because he's very it's very much the autumn of his life you know he's mm-hmm. going into the long sleep of winter uh and the other thing that i point i just noticed and it's just a small thing but i kind of similar to what we talked about a couple i think last week pumpkins are not from scandinavia they're from central america and you know when you're writing the norse legends in the 10th century and in, in northern was now norway or germany or iceland they wouldn't know anything about a pumpkin and to me it's one more way of sort of pointing out like yes the people in that part of the world wrote stories about asgard but asgard isn't super norway you know it is this land that is much more broad and encompasses much more of the connection to Midgard and what we know than just that one small part that knew its stories. I swear I thought you were going to say Smashing Pumpkins, oh. like some kind of reference to that. <laughs> I, would. I wasn't hip enough in the 90s to know much about that. <laughs> now, but pumpkins are not the only thing on there. There's also golden apples. Uh, what's the right. significance of those apples? Mm. The golden apples of Idun, those are uh, grown in Asgard, and they're only picked by the goddess Idun. They are, when the Asgardians eat them, that's what grants them their youth, their vigor, and their virtual immortality. And so um, they're in giant stacks on the table as well. And and so you see them kind of rolling everywhere. But that is very much a thing that uh, is part of the reason that the Asgardians live as long as they do is by eating these golden apples. Oh, that's awesome. Does that make sense? They would yeah. be need to get one of those. <laughs> Please. <Yep. laughs> Someone could get me one of those. So much right. better than Botox, you know? <laughs> and then we get this just great entrance of Loki. You know, and all we, we see, like, Thor is so very much the pouting child. He just looks like a, a three-year-old having a temper tantrum. And I just love the shot of just the boots coming out from around the pillar and slowly walking down the stairs to sit next to him. What what what's the energy you get from Loki in that moment, Ashley? A spider, a spider in the web, baby. He's just coming out like this is going great, and he he knows that Thor is in the mind space to be completely persuaded mm-hmm. to do whatever he wants. Like he's acting like an idiot, bro, bro, like a, like a total Marsha. He's just being ridiculous, and he's like, "Oh, this is perfect. You're speaking of fruit, ripe for the picking." <laughs> yeah. And it's so funny too because I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, that's exactly the 
the what we read from the way that Loki creeps out from behind a pillar. It's like, has he been there the whole time? Like, I mean, we would have seen him come in. He clearly (laughs) is standing behind this pillar just to watch his brother have his temper tantrum. Uh, But it's uh, it's it's such a kind of a a devious moment that we get to kind of watch as he's um, plotting and planning here. And it's interesting. The thing that I find interesting about it, as we'll come to learn over the course of the the films, is Loki has always been doing stuff to Thor. Like they're always having like these antagonistic things mm-hmm. between the two of them and games and stuff. So it's it's interesting just in the I mean, it's the first film. Obviously we need to kind of set that up, but mm-hmm. it's interesting that we don't we're never given any history of mischievousness between that has gone on between the two of them. Um in this particular film, it's just, you know, he seems like just a good brother who's there for his his uh, bigger brother. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> just so helpful. He's here to comfort. He's loving. <laughs> and, and so let's now talk about um, we have at the same time as this not really a deleted scene, but an extended scene. It was almost sort of a there's a different version of how this minute and the next two were shot that's included on the DVD. Uh, it's interesting because that one, uh, unlike some of the other deleted scenes, is not as fully rendered. So you can see kind of like some very bad fake fire and all the pictures kind of <laughs> don't really lean, line up with the CGI that we have in the background. Um, but one of the first things is in that we see like these servants kind of slowly taking apart the plate because I guess the coronation's been canceled. Thor shoves them aside in order to flip over the table. And then it's the Warriors 3 and Sif who comes in first and kind of talks to him a bit. What what difference did you get seeing like that scene versus this one? Well, first, I just have to say that I love the entrance of coming into the banquet hall because we actually get to see the full banquet table and that it's designed with like it's almost like a Viking ship, which is super cool. How it has kind of like that dragon cool. head at the end of the table. And that's something you don't see uh, otherwise. And so uh, that's just a production design element that I think is really, really spectacular. Well, that table is very you noticed it more watching it more, how big it was, like actually watching the scene. I'm like, that was a giant table. Mm-hmm. It really is. Also, Thor is just, I mean, it's its interesting. He really acts like he is the son of a king. I mean, he kind of is a, just a total jerk to everybody. Like there's these, mm-hmm. these servants, I guess, who are picking up the plates from the table and Thor just like shoves them both down. And this is kind of his attitude with the, the guy in the first deleted scene that we talked about where Loki plays the trick on the on the guy thor doesn't say anything about what loki did to that guy he just talks about oh there's a waste of good wine same thing here it's like he doesn't see these people he just throws them both to the ground before he flips his table i mean he's just the worst i feel like for that alone i'm kind of glad we don't have these scenes because yeah you know, and granted, I think especially in the last couple of years, a lot more attention is being paid rightly to how badly a lot of wait staff are often paid, you know, treated in their oh, own sure. world yeah. and please tip and all that kind of stuff. And I, I, maybe I would have felt this way 10 years ago, but certainly if I watched it today, I think it would have been harder for me to come to love Thor as a hero in this movie. if I, Because there's one thing if he's just like... He really wants to protect his people. He's got white savior complex. He's got, you know, toxic masculinity out the ears. But but he's got a good heart, at least. But seeing him treat other people so badly because they're beneath him, because they're his servants, I feel like it would have really changed how he looked. And and so I do mm-hmm. think if for that alone, I'm glad that they cut that. Because I think that would have – it makes him go a little bit too much into being a jerk in a way that the redemption wouldn't have worked quite as much for me. 
Like, how many servants does it take to flip that table back over? <laughs> You're right. They're not the god of thunder. Right. I mean, it looks like a heavy table. Like, it, I mean, yeah. when its legs flip up, <laughs> it looks like they're also made of gold. Like, yeah. yeah they were like sequoia tree trunks. I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> Good luck, guys. <laughs> right. It's so true. It's so true. And also, I, I like all three of the, the Warriors three. But, uh, you know, as I pointed out... Having the heavy set one who all he cares about is food, like it's just it's one thing for it to be a kind of fun character gimmick. I feel like in this minute it gets so over the top that it's just like a parody in a way that like a it's a little fat shaming that I don't love, but even more so it just becomes um it, it didn't seem to fit with the rest of the movie where they're really trying to make you think like this is real beings doing real things, you know, and I like yeah. I'm very, very food focused. But like the the degree that he has, it just becomes more satirical, I think. So I'm also kind of glad that we cut that out. I feel like his whole character is almost played like that for the most part. And yeah. it's almost why I don't have any care for him. At, like, I, I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it sucks because I do like those characters in the comics and stuff, but they just did not mm, flesh them out. Well, and that's the thing that, I mean... In the comics, there they he largely is. I mean, he's even bigger. I mean, he's a balloon of a man, and he uses his weight to his advantage to sit on people and whatever. I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous the way that they they designed him in the comics because he's just he is so big. And and again, those three are not from Norse mythology, and I can't right. help but feel like they were kind of added for some comedic moments to happen for the younger readers of the comics to really just have somebody that they could laugh with you know and or laugh at when he's kind of the butt of the jokes and so uh, yeah i really struggle with um i mean i enjoy the warriors three but i also feel like if i had had more of them i may not have liked them or i may have liked them even less you know our joke in this house about Fandral, uh, he's just, oh, that guy that, that got recast in the second movie and nobody noticed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's so exactly. true. It's so true. Yeah. Or, my take on it was, oh, I didn't realize that Norse mythology had a Narcissus. You know, I thought that was just in Greek mythology because it really is. <laughs> I, I want to just go back to the... <laughs> oh, it's all mythologies. No. <laughs> so we go back to this debate the two of them are having where Thor clearly thinks that Laufey has ordered these three frost giants to go do this as an official act of Jodenheim. And Odin, though, and he literally says it was the act of but a few doomed to fail. And in this moment, we don't really know. But my sense certainly is that, you know, because we later find out, obviously, that Loki arranged this, is that Loki just grabbed the first three, you know, frost giants he could find and said, hey, guys, do you want to come, like, you know, go grab the casket? Do you, do you think Odin's right or Thor's right here? Ooh. I'm going to have to go Thor. Mm, okay. Just because, like, knowing Lo- Loki's a master persuader, but not knowing what he's going to do. Oh, it's a hard one. What do you think? It's one of those war moments that I, th- I suppose, as a leader, you need to kind of step back and just evaluate the situation. And I, I guess, I mean, we don't see much that happens. And obviously, the destroyer kind of, like, destroyed all the evidence. So there's really no way that Odin can look to see if they had, you know, was there things on these particular frost giants that would have hinted as to who might have given them the information, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I suppose I would I would kind of probably side with Odin saying, you know, as long as we're, we're now aware there's a threat, we're aware there is a... Um, somehow people are able to get 
get past the Bifrost and are getting into Asgard. So we're going to figure all that out, but we're now going to keep our guard up for something else that could potentially happen. I, I don't know if it's wise for any king in a situation like this to all of a sudden jump to war. Yeah. And so, yeah. I don't know. I'm quite the villain. I, I have to sit <laughs> at the top of the show. Like, yeah. Our, our supreme, supreme leader, Ash of the MC of the Strand of Panda podcast. I've earned Network that is, title. Definitely. She's ready for war. <laughs> yeah, I've earned that title over the years. And I think it's so subtle, but I'm just so glad that's included because, you know, on my own superhero ethics podcast, I talk a lot about how these issues mirror things in our own world. And, and Andy, you're right. I mean, that's often a. Like, it's not a great thing for a king to do, but it's something that happens, you know, it can be even just like, you know, one person out of like, you know, a group of friends, you start to think, oh, that whole group of friends hates me, or, you know, a couple people from a particular part of the world, you think, oh, that whole part of the world is declaring war on us, or whatever it is. And so I think there's mm-hmm. there's a great tension there, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how that gets resolved, because I do think Thor's, you know, he has these dreams of glory, and if all your enemies are dead, then there's no glory to be found. And he... he Forgive the pun because it's so accurate to him, but he is the hammer looking for a nail. You know, he wants someone he can use his hammer against. It does make me wonder, like, does Odin, like, after this, does he reach out to Lofi? Like, do they have a way to communicate other than traveling through the Bifrost? Or does would Odin, like, go through the Bifrost to Jotunheim and, and talk to Lofi and saying, hey, this is what just happened here, you know? I'm pretty sure that it's just these three guys, but like, I mean, I, is there a line of communication or is it just all? Cause I mean, that's the thing that I think a great leader would have is communication about that. Right. And, and what we have is Odin just, I mean, he's making these assumptions. I mean, Thor could be right. It could be the first steps to an act of war. Odin, you know, it's, it's probably a good idea to at least listen to that, but he should at least have that line of communication. Right. Yeah, the red phone for going from, uh, you know, one world right. to the other is kind of what you want yeah. here. And because it's true, sir, the Odin makes just as much the assumption. Odin just says, no, we have we have the truce. And, and yeah. this is in the last minute. But Thor says, but they broke the truce. So, yeah, it's kind of a nice way of seeing that. And again, here where, where Loki is so good that, um, you know, both Thor and Odin are making these huge assumptions about what's actually happening and was Lofi involved and things like that. So, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. Any other last comments about this minute before we wrap up? I liked it. Yeah. Good minute. It was a good minute. Yeah, a lot of great stuff here. Well, it's Wednesday, and uh, you mentioned it briefly, but actually on Wednesday, you're one of the leaders of the trivia night that the MCU does, of uh, the MCU cast does on Twitch. Tell us about that. What's, what happens on Wednesday nights? Yeah, we get together around 8 o'clock for live music. Trivia starts at 8.30. Um, That's Eastern we give away time, prizes. Eastern time, yeah. The sacred time zone. So I always forget. <laughs> This season, we're giving away two Oculuses, I believe. Plus, every week, it's T-shirts, bottle openers, prizes all around. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And then uh, a lot of folks just kind of hop on Twitch together. And there's a lot of kind of like back and forth fun chatting. We call it Panda After Dark. Uh, you know, just a lot of kind of good, good fun times there. So definitely check that out on Twitch.tv by going to Stranded Panda TV. You can search for it. You can also search for the Twitch stuff that I do at theethicalpanda.com. I do some... Uh, ha- haven't taken a break for the moment, but we'll be doing a lot of poker and talking about other fun things. Do my own little plug there. Andy, thank you so much for being a part of this. Ashley, thank you so much for being a part of this. To all of our fans, thank you as always, and have a great day. Until next time, True Believers. Bye. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer. 
Find the show at truestory.fm. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. 